Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover! Step back! Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen right here on 960theref.com. It is episode 98 the crossover podcast presented by fully loaded pizza kitchen in Watkinsville and in five points chris brain from the home team david johnston from the morning show we are podcasting and it's been an eventful week for uh, georgia already as we're recording this there are 24 days until kickoff so as you're listening to this there'll be even fewer than uh, that as we close in on our 100th episode which i guess we'll get to the week before game week we'll get you on week zero week zero we are one a big one with the gators and the uh and the canes uh georgia experienced some attrition maybe uh earlier this week with uh brenton cox either being dismissed from the team or just entering the transfer portal uh so we'll talk a little bit about that and uh as we're sitting here recording this exciting day you know i love schedules and the 2020 uh, SEC schedule was revealed today so a few details of Georgia's that we already knew I guess the biggest deal was the Auburn game was moving out of November so we know the exact date of that now and uh, the rest of the order of the uh, the games of 2020 which does include an early visit to Tuscaloosa Alabama that'll be the first SEC game of uh, 2020. I guess as predicted, right? Had a feeling that was yeah that was coming. It's fun. The timing of this is is funny because on Tuesday of this week, the uh, Jeff and I were we started talking about the 2020 schedule, and you know it's just odd how you don't you didn't know what it was, and suddenly it it this thought crossed my mind that with the Auburn game moving to where the Tennessee game used to be. And having a pretty strong feeling that that Alabama game was going to be on September 19th, it, it, it hit me that, are we going to end up playing Alabama and Auburn twice in three weeks, therefore doing the exact thing Auburn wanted to stop doing? Yes, exactly. And uh, it turns out, no, thankfully, we'll play Vanderbilt October the 3rd, so before the Auburn game. So Georgia's got a little three-game homestand next year with Lou Monroe, Vandy, and... Uh, and Auburn so that crisis was definitely uh, averted of possibly having Bama and Auburn as consecutive SEC games you know and the funny thing now too is and again I mean these uh these schedules have just come out but um Auburn will now be playing what LSU yeah a couple of weeks the week before the week before Bama yeah so so that it, and that's the thing now, and we, we know it this year with Georgia playing Texas A&M, but it looks like CBS brought the hammer and said Cupcake Weekend yeah. before Thanksgiving is a thing of the past because Alabama that weekend is also uh, hosting Texas A&M. 
So you got Bama A&M as an option, LSU Auburn as an option. We play Kentucky. So CBS has got – they'll have a better inventory than last year when they were stuck showing Missouri and Tennessee. Yeah, and, I, and it, it makes a lot of sense, although – to have those two gigantic games on the same date, maybe ESPN, excuse me, maybe CBS is looking, would they, be, would they do a doubleheader that yeah. late in the season? Or heck, maybe even ESPN or any of the television partners are like, right. I mean, come on, you yeah. got to do better than. That's a good point. It's not just CBS. Yeah. It's everybody in the conference. So you've at least got, I mean, there are still a few of those Cupgate games that are out there, but Bama, Auburn, Georgia not playing them and george will be playing kentucky so that definitely seems to be something that's come to an end but yeah it is interesting from auburn's standpoint and i know they had the deal where it was either both at home or both on the road the lsu and alabama games are flip-flop for them but they went from a scenario where they didn't want to have to play those two games twice in three weeks to now okay well you'll play lsu and alabama back to back (laughs) instead exactly and you got to go to Athens in October. You're hosting Texas A&M the week after that. You've also got to go to Mississippi State. We're talking about Auburn here, and they've also got that weird, um, that weird week two neutral site game. Yeah, not a week one neutral site game, but a week two neutral site game. In fact, week one next year in the SEC is just absolute garbage. You do have Alabama playing Southern Cal, but then you've got Kent State, Arkansas. Alcorn State. I won't hear the the non conference yeah. games. That Kent State, Alcorn State, Eastern Washington, Eastern Michigan, UT San Antonio, New Mexico, Central Arkansas, Coastal Carolina, Charlotte, Abilene Christian, and Mercer. Uh, Ole Miss wow. does play Baylor. So you've got Ole Miss and Baylor and Alabama and Southern Cal that first Saturday. On Labor Day, we do play Virginia, but that is just that's terrible to start the year. Yeah, it's like that week before Thanksgiving has now shifted to week one. Yeah, right. Is what that's turned into. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's what it sound that what you just rattled off sounded like what it used to be, getting ready for the uh, the rivalry week games. Easy for me to say. And, and I guess at that point, CBS doesn't care because they haven't started to pick up games right, yet. Right. So. All right, fine, if you want to play them then, but I've got no doubts that they must have finally said something about that uh, week before Thanksgiving because they were stuck last year. Well, the amount of money they spend for these games, I don't blame them. Yeah, and they had to show Missouri beat Tennessee for the second straight year, (laughs) 50-17. to They're like, wait a minute, time out. We're not doing this. So Georgia's full schedule then is the Labor Day game against Virginia. They'll play that five days later against East Tennessee State and then go to Alabama on the 19th. So not only does Georgia open SEC play at Alabama, it'll also be their third game in 12 days. Yeah, I mean, the at least it's East Tennessee in between. Right. But it's still three games in 12 days. Yeah. So it, that is not ideal scheduling at all. I. The second I heard that Virginia game was on Monday night, I no like hated it. Yeah, absolutely hated it. So Bama's going to have they'll play Southern Cal that opening Saturday, and then play Georgia State on the twelfth. Yeah. So they'll have like the full two weeks. Right, and it'll be a little right. less time for Georgia. Like I don't want to sound defeatist or anything, but let's that'll be the first game Georgia's not favored in in the regular season in like uh, over two years when Georgia goes to Tuscaloosa in two thousand twenty. Yeah. So what will have been the previous one that Georgia wasn't favored? Yeah. Probably the uh, the Auburn game in. Well, I guess, yeah, the Auburn game in 17, I guess. Right. So the dogs were favored at LSU. Oh, yeah. Last, last year. year? Okay. Yeah. 
I guess the the Auburn game in seventeen, we were a 17. slight dog. Let's see how that one closed. So we'll be favored every game this year, barring you know something crazy. Yeah, that we don't we don't even want to think of. We uh, we don't want to talk about. And but, uh, yeah, you're right. So what did that Auburn game in seventeen? It closed at uh, Georgia was actually favored in that one. Oh really? According to the Phil Steele. Okay. Well, if the that's dogs where it closed, ended up being the two point favorite. All right. So when was the last time then? Twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, definitely 2016. Um, are you talking about in the conference or just overall? Oh, Notre uh, Dame. Notre Dame. Georgia was catching five. Okay, so the Notre Dame game yeah. of 17. Yeah, and then in the conference, it would it was Auburn here in 16. So, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't happen very No, often. Georgia's not been an underdog lately. They will be in that game. So, in a game that you wouldn't be necessarily favored to win, like if you're going to have to play a team – if you have to go to Alabama, it's not ideal to have to play them as the uh, third leg in just a 12-day period. But I guess I'd rather it just go ahead and be Alabama than say Georgia plays uh, like at South Carolina, and you're at South Carolina for the third for the third uh, game in 12 days, and then you're leveling the playing field against a team that is your you know your inferior, and just giving them more of a chance to maybe get you. So I'm not uh, I'm not like mad that Georgia has that deal against Alabama. I'd rather face them there than somebody else. Does it matter to you whether Georgia was playing Alabama this year or next year? I guess it depends on the personnel, especially at one position. Yeah. But it you know what, if if the dogs were playing Bama with a a green quarterback or a new quarterback, playing over there is probably better anyway. You get you know, get it get it out of the I way early. Out of too. the way early. You're yeah. right. Instead You're of having right. it loom. Yeah. Uh, and um, so then, all right, after Bama, you go Lou Monroe, then Vandy and Auburn's for a three-game homestand. And then Georgia's got basically three straight games away from Athens over a four-week stretch with uh, games at Missouri, then the open date before Florida, and then at South Carolina. And then uh, the other odd look to the schedule now is November 14th is the Tennessee game. <laughs> and then at Kentucky before Tech, which we've done plenty of times uh here recently so there's the uh there's the 2020 schedule so are you enraged or slightly enraged or just put off by the fact that auburn is in a different part of the schedule yeah i don't like it i don't either but it's you know the reality is is what am i going to do not watch the auburn game (laughs) yeah exactly and i guess they know that it's the same deal with the conversation about the florida game being in jacksonville you won't like it, but if you don't like it, what are you going to do? Not watch Georgia play Florida? No. And I think the, uh, you know, everyone running college football, that's what they, they know about fans is they're, I mean, they'd have to take something substantial to, uh, to lose us, I guess, at this point. So, um, you know, tradition be damned and that's it. My, my fear, though, is eventually we're going to stop playing Auburn every year anyway. And I think that's like the first thing. It's like it's not a big deal. The game won't be in November because wait until 2025 when you find out we're not playing them the every new year schedule anymore. Comes out yeah. and the rotation is different. Uh, now, if it meant nine conference games, then we could keep them on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which is what I'm hoping, but I just don't think that that's going to happen. I don't either. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of uh, pushback on that whenever yeah. it gets brought up. I hear you and Jeff in the afternoons talk about, um, and maybe it's more Jeff, so you can tell me if it's if it's more him, but the fact that they're trying to get the schedules like 
the NFL or or maybe I don't even know if they do it that much in Major League Baseball where you're going to be playing your division opponents towards the end of the season and Georgia's six division opponents five of them are now in a row and it, there's Auburn between Vandy and Missouri but then after that it is it's all division opponents it looks like the the only one that I've there's a couple Kentucky plays Mississippi State in November Arkansas plays Missouri still in November and that's been that last game yeah of the season but i see all right lsu's playing south carolina so i guess they they haven't gone all in on that just yet but but it looks like it might be shaping up that way too yeah it does i mean it looks like a good number of the teams are pretty much all division opponents when you get to the uh to the last month of the season now well you know it just means more <laughs> so yeah. apparently that's what they're telling us yeah when you're Your division facing games just mean more how about texas a&m uh, you're going to go to Alabama and then host LSU. So that's the oh. that's the opposite of Auburn. Basically, Auburn and A and M now are playing LSU and Bama the last two weekends. So that's what uh, LSU. I mean, that's what A and M has the last two weekends. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just in the reverse order. Yeah. Of what uh, what Auburn's doing. But Auburn's saying, well, at least we don't. I mean, we are playing Georgia and Alabama either home or away each year. But now we've got those games apart from each other. But now they've got LSU in front of Alabama. Yeah. So I don't know that that's really accomplished anything. I don't either. I mean, I guess maybe their point of view is at least the the LSU game is at home and the Alabama game is on the road or, you know, vice versa in the in the odd number years where, you know, they don't have that situation at the end where every other year they've got both of those games on the road like they had last season although they don't seem to mind it like uh, two years ago when they were both at home and they just whooped both of us in route to the sec championship game and i mean this year with that schedule i mean they got Ole miss at home november 2nd and then a bye week and then they've got the dog samford and bama at yeah home. i know they get us after a, a bye exactly in the middle of that november gauntlet yeah. that we've got yeah so they've got the schedule setting up for them again this year yeah i know I mean, they've got Oregon early on, and you know that's the SEC West. There are landmines all over the place, but they can figure something out at quarterback. This could be one of those years where Auburn is yeah, – I feel like it's those years when not a lot is made of Auburn in the preseason that they, yeah. they end up like they did in 2017 when they get rolling. Well, they've got to find a quarterback. And they've and, got that D-line. And they've got that D-line. You're absolutely right about that. So, yeah, but it's it is funny. I still I just I don't like the creep that you guys talk about of the schedule, and like you said, what are you going to do? Not watch the games, not pay attention to them. You don't really have any choice. But it is just all part of this. The way things are certainly changing here, and I mean, whether it's true Georgia did somebody a favor or not, that's what the the conspiracy theorist wants to think. Because Georgia's not the only – I mean, Georgia-Auburn's not the only rivalry that's that's moving around, right. I guess. So it's not the only one. But still, at some point you feel like, all right, are the dogs going to get rewarded for something well, that it was the whole, over the last five or six years? I guess the, the big one is that we went there two years in a row. That's the bad one. Yeah. That's the one that, that really you feel like you should be getting something in return. But I, w- I was nervous, though, because when you started to think about it, all right, that Bama game is is going to be September 19th. And then you knew that the Lou Monroe game was on the 26th. So with the Auburn game moving to where Tennessee was, that lined it up then for like, well, that's going to be October 3rd, right? 
So so it was going to be hilarious if Georgia had to do the very thing that Auburn wanted to stop doing. But um, luckily, I guess somebody else caught that too and went, yeah, let's not have that happen. So we'll put Vanderbilt in there on October the 3rd now (laughs) and play Auburn on the 10th. So basically, Georgia now is playing Auburn where we played Vandy. And we're playing Vandy where we played Tennessee. And now we're playing Tennessee, I guess, where we played Auburn. Auburn. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? Nothing you can do about it at this point. Don't have to like it, but there's not a whole lot else you can do except no. get ready for it. Yeah. And it's like you said, like, well, where does it end then if it's not a big deal? Like, what if they just one day decide, you know what? We're going to start opening the season with Tech instead of ending the season with Tech. Yeah. Or we're not going to play the Florida game and you know when it's played. I mean, I, or even where it's played. Yeah, I was going to say that's going to be a thing too here. I would think in the next few years. Yeah, it sounds like that's the way things are are pointing. More than ever, I mean, really, with the the fate of that game in Jacksonville, I've never had the feeling that it's had a a real strong chance of moving until now. Yeah, I, same here. And yeah. now I kind of feel like it is. And if you think if that game did get moved to home and home, you start looking ahead at those odd numbered years when we would play Auburn on the road, Tennessee on the road, Tech on the road, and then Florida on the road. And in 2023, we've got that game already scheduled in in Norman yep. against Oklahoma. I mean, that's think of that potential 2023 road schedule if the Florida game ends up getting moved home and home. Yeah, I know. We haven't even kicked off 2019 yet. Yeah, I know. You know, I yeah. mean, that's the, the scary thing. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll, they still have the same coach out there at Oklahoma. Who, oh, Oklahoma? Yeah, by then. Who, if the Cowboys don't make the playoffs this year, he's uh, he's going to Dallas, right? I'll tell you, um, spoke to prince avenue's greg vandegriff you know when we had the uh, the high school media day a few weeks ago and he i asked him that question and he's like hey we asked we asked the coach the same thing we yeah. asked coach riley that and he was like hey look at my contract i thought he said look at my contract that's going to be coming out or that's out or something he does he's have- got a massive buyout yeah uh, jerry jones is a billionaire yeah <laughs> yeah that's true yeah we talk about massive buyout just put a picture of jerry jones yacht yeah out there and say okay this he's is- this it, is what uh, this is what you're dealing with for money. Yeah, like he's a billionaire, and they don't have a salary cap for coaches <laughs> in the NFL. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, yeah, that buyout is enormous, but pretty sure Jerry Jones can handle it if he wanted him. Yeah, if he wants Lincoln Riley, he'll get Lincoln Riley. Yeah, that's what I. Think. Oh, he hundred yeah. percent will. Not saying he's going to, but I'm just saying if, or if he doesn't get him, it won't be because he didn't throw something massive out there. Yeah. All right, uh, the crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and Five Points. Chris and Dave with you. You can uh, check us out as always on demand anytime, 960theref.com, or subscribe to us and uh, leave us a review there and rate us at uh, iTunes. We'll uh, pause here for a moment and we'll come back and we'll, uh, I guess, we'll talk a little bit about this Brenton Cox story uh, from, you know, here right at the start of spring practice where the former five star, it, it appears, is. No longer on the uh, team. It's the Crossover Podcast, 960theref.com. 
true Italian food has returned to Five Points and brought some friends along because Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen is now open in Five Points, Athens. At the new Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen, you'll find all your Italian favorites from pizza to calzones and baked ziti, along with sandwiches, salads, wings, and more, plus a full bar for beer, wine, and cocktails. It's time to eat at the now open Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen at Five Points in Athens and also in the Manders Crossing Shopping Center off Mars Hill Road in Watkinsville. Rolling on with episode 98, the crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Athens and in Watkinsville. And to be exact in Athens, it's in Five Points in the old Waffle House location. So we did have on Monday of this week, the Monday afternoon news dump, which was, uh, as practice was what, three or four days in, I guess, at that point? After the acclimation period? Yeah. So Brent, these guys, by the way, are acclimated. Yeah. Yeah. Brenton Cox is, he's, I, I, to, this, this place is sort of like a, you're fired, well, you can't fire me because I quit. Uh, some headlines say he's dismissed. Others just say he entered the portal. I think his mom maybe tweeted something about how he wasn't kicked off the team, that he's just decided to uh, to transfer. But, And I don't think at this point, as we're recording this, Kirby hasn't even acknowledged it or made a statement or said anything, but he hasn't been at practice. I mean, we can go with Brenton Cox isn't on the team anymore, and for whatever reason, we'll just leave it at he's not going to be on the team anymore. So does it come down to you because that was such a position of great depth for the dogs that – he was getting passed in the in the rotation. I mean, I, I mean, we can speculate here all we want. I don't really know exactly what to throw out there. Well, I mean, there are some of the reports that have cited sources have said that he had had uh, run-ins with assistant coaches. Yeah. We know he had been arrested on a misdemeanor marijuana charge back in the spring. Right. So you know, it just kind of plays like yeah, maybe there were just a series of issues. He wasn't happy that he was running with the third team and. You know, maybe it was one of those deals where Kirby just went to him and said, hey, maybe it's in our both of our uh, interest if we just move on from each other. But, yeah, I would think once upon a time there would have come a day when that would have been, like, devastating news. But now you just start, okay, well, you got Jermaine Johnson, you've got Nolan Smith. George has done such a good job recruiting there that that's why you recruit at the level that uh, you do so that you can you can take on that kind of attrition. Adam Anderson, yeah. Cezo Jolari. I mean, yeah, you you recruit all these five stars, and it's it's kind of a next man up mentality. I mean, think how much things have changed in the last two or three years. Just from uh, if Georgia did have a Brenton Cox, say like five years ago, he would have been the cream of the crop guy, and everybody would be losing their mind if this were going on. And then you throw in the the J.R. Holloman situation where you've got this receiver coming back who was the you know the the best receiver you feel like you have coming back at least experience wise, and neither of these guys well Holloman definitely and now with things being up there with Cox instead of just basically freaking out everyone's saying all right well who's the next five star that wants to to play it's like there's just this feeling of okay let's see what goes on here yeah well think that that 2018 class which was ranked the top class in the country has now lost fields brenton cox and even luke ford (laughs) but so fields and cox are gone and you've still got like four other five stars from that uh from that class, I mean, you got Salyer and Mays are already good. I mean, they're, they're right there up uh, at the depth chart to to play snaps this year. I mean, Mays and 
the second game of the year last year when Andrew Thomas got hurt at South Carolina. They put him right in there at left tackle as a true freshman. James Cook. So it's, um, you know, and even when you think about it now, I mean, that Jordan Davis could end up being one of the uh, the bigger stars of that defense, and he was one of the, the lower-rated recruits of it. So, you know, it goes back to the idea that, yes, it, it's never an exact science, but ultimately you just want to sign as many blue chippers as you can because you know – the reality is they're not all going to pan out, and uh, but I think you know, more often than not, if it's a numbers game, and you know if you sign like six five stars, you don't need all of them to pan out. If three of them do, then you've got you know three potential like all conference players and maybe even all Americans there. And that was the that was the first signing class that had the early signing period, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. The twenty that would have been the twenty eighteen class, right? Yeah. Okay. All and right. both, like Fields and Cox, both wore number one, and now they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, what does that tell you right there? Yeah, to retire yeah, that. I'm looking at that lot. So, in that class, Tommy Bush, Tyson Campbell, Jordan Davis, Otis Reese, Quay Walker, and Tramel Walthour were the ones that actually signed in February. Everyone else in that class, you're talking about Brenton Cox, you're talking about. Justin Fields, Luke Ford, those guys that aren't here. Well, I keep saying with Cox. We'll just kind of assuming that, although that's not necessarily the the way to see it. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And by the way, Zamir White was uh, in that class as well. And I mean, it's a love, but that's the thing. I mean, it goes back to look what the dogs were able to do and in recruiting. Look who all they've been able to pull, and you lose. I mean, Fields was not just – I think not only was he the number one quarterback, he was the number one player in the country, wasn't he? And as it turned out – Was it – I think Lawrence was ahead of him. Lawrence was ahead of him. And then Fields was two. He was two. Yeah. Cox was in the 20s maybe, whatever his ranking was. Yeah, I think he was like maybe the – Although in the Phil Steele it says number six, but that's at his position. Yeah. And then, you know, you're talking about maybe the number one tight end in the country in Ford, and those guys are all gone. But, again – not really, uh, not really sweating it so much. That's the that's the crazy thing about this. Uh, honestly, my uh, kind of like my long shot depth chart prediction. I don't even know how, if it call it a long shot, but I, I sort of have already had Nolan Smith penciled into maybe be starting there anyway with Anderson as the two outside backers. Yeah. Uh, even uh, so, I mean, I didn't even have Cox up there as uh, at number one on the depth chart going into. Uh, going into this camp anyway it's funny because i you know if i listen to a national podcast or see stuff on twitter everyone not just in the south but seems across the country they're locked in on on nolan smith and i mean rightfully so i mean the guy's phenomenal but i mean i haven't heard any he is not flying under the radar no not at all (laughs) and the other team whoever george is playing each saturday will know about nolan smith yeah he was the now he was the number one uh, player in the country for this most recent class and that's the thing between cox and nolan smith and as good as that 2018 signing class was these guys that just came in it's not like they've got a, a big head start when it comes to experience in the program defensive line is where most of the veterans on that defense are yeah yeah but when you start to think of the secondary I, I mean, I guess Reed, Reed will be a senior. LeCount will be a junior at the two uh, the two safeties there. But then you've got Campbell and Stokes. You know, sophomores probably starting at the uh, at the corners with with Webb and you know Trey Bishop figuring uh, 
uh, to and Otis Reese yep. to definitely have a chance to uh, to play a lot, and then that's where you start thinking of uh, everything you're hearing so far about Tyreek Stevenson. Even with like what Dan Lanning said about him a couple days ago, which was, yeah, when you watch him, you just look at him and like, that's a ball player right there. Normally, coaches don't say that don't about throw that out there. Yeah, especially yeah. guys who are freshmen, right? No, and that's that's some great praise. It really is because he was one of those. Stevenson wasn't even in for spring, right? He was no, he no, he uh, he was the one that was out there. It was the Miami thing because I know Pickens was on the the traditional signing day and Brett Scyther. Yes, yeah, Stevenson waited. Stevenson commit. He made that national commitment. I remember him announcing on one of those signing day. Games, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember him announcing on signing oh, day, well, that he was going to announce later. Okay. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then he play, he did it at one of those right. all-star games. That's yeah. what it was. But, yeah, to have Coach Lanning say those kind of things, I mean, I don't think they're going to do that on purpose to put extra pressure on these guys. If they like them, they like them. I don't yeah. think they get caught up in, in all of that stuff. Now, we won't get to hear him speak for a year. That was he's it. a freshman. But other than that, we can let him speak by his play. Oh, I, th- I thought you were talking about the uh, assistant coaches. That no. was the last we oh, heard yeah. from them until well, bowl yeah, season, isn't it? They're like freshmen, too. Yeah. You, hear, you get to hear from them, and then you don't. They're not, they're not adult yeah, males but anymore. freshmen, you don't get to hear from them at all. Yeah. So, yeah, Coley and Lanning the other day, but that's the last time they'll be allowed to speak until, uh, until bowl season uh, rolls around. Well, you know what I, what I always like to do whenever – because when we lost Holloman – and now Cox, I always like to check uh, the other Clark County, and we are still a 20-and-a-half-point favorite <laughs> over Vanderbilt. So wake me up if Fromm isn't on the team at some point, and then I'll really get nervous. So what you're telling me is is that the other Clark County, without an E, is telling us that Brenton Cox being on the team or not being on the team, playing in the game or not, being, or not playing in the game, makes no difference. Not against Bandy, anyway. <laughs> Well, that is definitely good yeah. to know. And the other numbers that are out there for other games still seem to be holding pretty pretty firm, too. Now, what about for what – what is the latest line on winning the national championship? Uh, George is about like 7 or 8 to 1. 7 or 8 to 1, okay. Because yeah. Logan said – I'll be going out to Vegas in like a week and a half, and Logan's already told me he wants me to put money on the dogs. I hadn't had a chance to tell him, well, you know, it's not, they're not, that's not good value, right? It's, it's like, not, do you want the value or do you want to win? Well, that's the thing. I guess if you're only if you're making just one bet and you want to root for your team, that's it. Then so be it. Yeah. But I do think the better the better bet is on them to just win the SEC. To win the SEC at yeah. what is what are the odds? They're on that like one? three to one. Three there. to one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So all you have to do then is win that one game. <laughs> to win the playoff, you got to win those two you other gotta games. Win those other games. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So to win the. So to win the national championship, you have to beat Alabama twice and Clemson. To win the SEC, you just have to beat Bama the one time. Just beat them once. That's it. Easy enough. All right. uh, Another edition of the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and also now in Five Points in Athens. Again, you could subscribe to us on iTunes. Check us out there. Leave us a, a kind review if you would, or you can uh, download us and listen anytime on demand at 960theref.com. We will be uh, back again next week for what will be episode 99, closing in on a milestone, the crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen on 960theref.com.
You've been listening to The Crossover, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen on 960theref.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.